0: Hello, listeners. On this show, I talk with everyday African Americans who were able to transform their passions and struggles into their dreams. I'm your host, Moses Tillman Young, and welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. In this episode, I interview Kuda Biza. He is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Nonbelievable, a non-profit cookie company devoted to feeding 1 million people facing food insecurity in the United States. In our conversation, Kuda and I discuss how Tony Robbins recruited him for Nonbelievable, his dream to become a pilot, and how his book, The Spear Method, can help you keep your business ideas and your life on track. Morning. So, uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. On this episode, I'm interviewing Kuda Biza. He is one of the co-founders of the company. Non-Believable. It is a company that provides premium baked goods and in return what they do is that they offer their services, they offer their profits to feeding meals around the United States. So Kuda Biza, welcome to the Black Gold Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm, I'm doing really really well Moses. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your platform.
0: Ah, You're welcome man. So um, one of the main questions I want to ask you, just out of the gate, Mm -hmm. is I have been listening to everything that I can get my hands on regarding um, you, your company, and everything. And the one name, the one thing that kept popping up is that you were able to convince Tony Robbins to help you start this company.
1: How did you do that? Well... Uh, actually, Tony was the one who convinced me. <laughs> so it's the other way around. Tony um, is the one who came up with the idea for, for Nun um And how it came about was that he was uh, traveling to San Francisco and he read about a group of nuns that were being evicted. And he decided to go out there and check them out. And while he was there, he decided to help them with their housing situation. So he covered for their rents for a couple of months. He connected with Mark Benioff, CEO of Salesforce, and they put together some money and solved the housing situation for the nuns. But during that whole journey, they learned that the nuns were baking cookies. And they were using the cookies to feed people by selling at farmer's markets and using the money that they would make from from that uh, sale to feed uh, about 400 people a day at their soup kitchen in San Francisco. So that, you know, it was like alarm bells, lights bulbs for, for Tony it was like, oh, wow. Why don't we create a mission-based cookie company, right? Take a look at what has happened with Tom's shoes. Take a look at what has happened with Bomba's socks all these mission-based companies, but no one has really taken food and, and, and really addressed hunger in a very big way. So that's when Tony came up with the vision of creating Unbelievable. So when Tony came up with the vision, he reached out to a gentleman called Michael Loeb. Michael Loeb is one of the gentlemen who who is behind Priceline.com. So I don't know if you know Priceline.com. Um, he also started... Um, You know, a company, once he left Time magazine, and through that business, he was able to sell it for a really big exit. I think he sold it for close to a billion dollars. So, Michael, since then, he's been able to create multiple businesses in so many different verticals, and Michael and Tony decided to create a joint venture, which was unbelievable, and they're the vision, they're the capital... But they needed the entrepreneurs to actually then execute on this vision. So that's when they reached out to Brian Janesco, my business partner, and myself, and they said, "Hey guys, um, this is what we're trying to do. We think you're the guys to be able to do it. Do you guys want to go do it?" And the reason why you know we we were called for that is because I started a meal delivery business under the crockpot brand called Crockpot Cuisine, and took it from an idea on a napkin. And in about three years, it generated about $20 million in revenue. Brian Dinesco also started another meal delivery business uh, in New York called New Kitchen, built it into a multi million dollar business and sold it to NutriSystem. So we understood food and e commerce. And for, 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 from their perspective, they were looking for people who understood the food business. They also were looking for people who could really launch businesses online which is what Brian and I had done. So that's, that's how it, it came about. So it, I would love to say "Unbelievable" was my idea, but in all honesty, it was really Tony and what he experienced coming together with Michael Loeb and then you know tapping us on, on, on the shoulders to say like, hey guys, would you like to, to make this happen? And for, for a cause like we're focused on, for me, it was a no brainer.
0: So one of the main things that you guys boast is that you want to feed, it's 1 million people uh, by the year, is it 2022, 2023?
1: Yeah, so we do not boast that, but it's it's something that we say, hey, this is our aspiration. We aspire to, do to, so. to, to, to feed a million people by 2022. When you look into the hunger issue in America, you know, Feeding America recently produced a forecast that says that 54 million Americans are food insecure. Take a moment and think about it for a minute. 54 million Americans do not know where their next meal is gonna come from. That's more than the population in Canada. So there are more people hungry in America than there are people in Canada. So when you think about that, it's, it's a big issue. And with us aspiring to feed a million people, we're just doing a small dent in helping uh, solve um, the hunger issue. But the reason why we aspire for that goal is we hope that our journey to that 1 million will inspire others to jump in and want to solve hunger. Because the only way we can tackle that 54 million number is by having other stakeholders, other entrepreneurs, governments, nonprofits, everybody jumping in and helping to solve hunger. So, so that's why we really set that as a, as a line uh, in, 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 in our forecast. We say like, hey, we want to feed a million people. Um, it's not so to say to say, like, hey, we're going to do this, but more to inspire others to want to, to, to wanna join the fight and, and help uh, end this crisis.
0: So you say more than a population of Canada and the United States of America is currently facing food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Don't know where the second meal is going to come from. So, unbelievable. So you guys, your your company, your your organization, they make these baked goods. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. So we make. Right now, cookies, but our goal is to evolve into other categories. So, think of brownies, you know, different other big goods, muffins, and so forth and so forth. But our whole premise is simple for every cookie that we sell, we donate a meal. And we work with different nonprofit organizations that enable us to do that. So, you know, we work with, for example, New York City Relief it's an organization in the New York, New Jersey area that primarily focuses on people struggling with homelessness. And we work with them to to help feed those people because think about it right now, with the country on lockdown and people not going into the cities and, and whatnot, the people who are homeless, who are on the streets, who used to get money from people who would maybe pass money down to them as they were going to work and commuting those people are no longer there. So how are they surviving? Who's taking care of them? So organizations like New York City Relief are those boots on the streets that are helping uh, feed those souls. We also work with World Vision. World Vision is a very big humanitarian organization um, You know, with a footprint in close to 100 countries. World Vision touches 3.5 million lives a year through their work and their impact. So you know, we we work with well-known organizations like World Vision, and we're also working with organizations that are more on kind of like the local level. So in Miami, in Texas, across the country, uh, to enable us to really help feed people who are struggling.
0: Uh, Kuda, by the way that you're telling me this, it sounds as if you are really passionate and you're proud about Non-Believable an and the work that you guys are doing um, what is your background? Where did you come from? How did you get interested both in feeding people in as for, with the product as well as feeding people from the result of that product?
1: So right before joining Nonbelievable, believable I was in corporate America. I was working for a big multi-billion dollar uh, conglomerate with a very nice job, right? A lot of my friends would tell me Kuda, you've achieved the American dream. I had a house, you know, six-figure salary. Everything was was going great. And how I got there was, you know, when I graduated college, I was fortunate enough to join this conglomerate, and I was there for more than ten years. So I was able to really cut my teeth and 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 learn how to really grow businesses in a big Fortune 500 company. But I was born in Zimbabwe, and the experiences in Zimbabwe uh, really shaped um, my thinking and is part of the reason why I am where I am today, which is, you know, one of the co-founders of Unbelievable. And while I was in Zimbabwe, we had a drought that struck us uh, in the 90s, in the early 90s. And for me, it it was a time where I also got to experience hunger because there was no food, there was no rain. So I know what it is like, to be hungry, like a lot of the people who are struggling right now. You know, there was high food insecurity in Zimbabwe at that time when I was growing up. The other thing is, um <clears throat> my father was part of the food relief efforts during that period in Zimbabwe. So he would come home and he would tell me stories. Stories like, hey, Kuda, we went to this remote village in um in you know, in, in an area in Zimbabwe. And we got there. And if we had been a day late, the toddlers would have died because they'd gone for three days with no food. Mm. So we literally saved lives by arriving the time we arrived. Or he would tell me the sad story of, Hey, we got there a day late. A four-year-old just passed away, you know, because of hunger, they starved to death. So When hunger is not happening in your backyard, it's not top of your mind, right? Or if you've grown up without hearing those types of stories, um, you know, it's not real to you, right? It's just another story or another article like you're reading in the newspaper. So, like, you know, just take COVID, for example, when it was just in China, in Wuhan, you know, everybody was cool. We were living our lives. It was until it hit our backyard. Oh, yeah. When things became real. So for me, things when it comes to hunger became real at a very young age. So when I got the opportunity to work on a business that would fight hunger, for me, it was like, wow, this is beautiful because I know what it is like. I've heard those stories. I know the impact of hunger. I know this is real. It's happened in my backyard. So if I'm going to apply the knowledge and skills that I've sharpened over the past 10 years in a corporate environment, in a startup, this has to be the startup. And, you know, that's why I'm passionate about hunger and, and what I do. So
0: what was your major in college?
1: I, I'm, I majored in uh, aviation and uh, business. And then I I did a master's in finance. So, you know, I've the very unorthodox um you know college career you know when i first went to college i wanted to be a pilot but then i quickly realized do i want to be the guy that flies the plane or the guy that owns the plane and i was like i need to get into business and i decided to do both because i still wanted to fly recreationally yeah and um you know so i double majored with that and then after i graduated i quickly realized that if you really want to be successful in business it's not a must, but in my opinion, I think it's, it's a strong skill that you need to have is you need to understand finance. You need to understand how money works. You need to understand, you know, the profit and loss accounts and all that stuff. So not from just kind of like a glossy level to really go in deep as to really understand, you know, cash flow and all that stuff. So then I decided to go major in finance uh, for my master's degree. So, so that's, that's my background.
0: Okay. So, how long was it before you started, you call it Cockpot Cuisine?
1: From when?
0: Um, after, after college.
1: Well, that was my first project when I got hired. So when I got hired, I, I had a very unique path. One thing to note is I started a business when I was in college. Um, and when I, when I started a business in college, um, it primed me for this role that I got when I went into corporate America. So when I got into corporate America, they hired me for a role specifically to create businesses within the company. So I wasn't, you know, like being, doing like other things like, Oh, I just manage this brand or whatever. They were like, literally, Hey, go identify white spaces. We've seen that you have a knack for entrepreneurship because you started a, a business in your dorm room with $150. So imagine what you could do now with all these resources and support around you. And one of the ideas that were percolating within the office was uh, Crock-Pot Cuisine. So they put it on my desk. They were like, hey, go figure this out. And I went and I figured it out.
0: Wow. So your job was to build businesses, basically. So did you build businesses that the company then sold to other business um, people who wanted to own their own businesses? Or was it that... Um... Well, the company that
1: I was working for, they owned maybe 200 brands. So they own Crockpot, they own Mr. Coffee, they own Yankee Candle, you know, many big brands, Sharpie, you know. So yeah. for them you know, they had grown through acquisition, but now they wanted to create a capability where they would actually create and build and develop ideas into businesses internally. So we were uh, like a strategic team. We were called transformational innovation. And our core responsibility wasn't to manage businesses that were existing, like managing the Mr. Coffee brand. That wasn't our job our job was to look for new ideas, identify opportunities that would transform our PL and and then go create businesses for it. And then once the business was up and running, we would bring in a management team that would then go manage that business. And then we would go back and create the next thing. So I worked on multiple projects. Crockpot Cuisine was obviously the most successful, but I worked on a beer project with Einheiser Busch. We created a keg at home system um, that we actually took to Target. And it was in 200 Target stores um, during the time I was on the business Um, and and a few other projects as well. But the one that has uh, a real good connection with my path to where I am today is Crockford Cuisine because it was a food-based business. It was an e-commerce based business uh, that I was able to, to really drive and lead and take from just an idea and we were feeding, you know, families in America because we had thousands of subscribers who, who were eating uh, our meals um, every single month.
0: So you said that you started a business in your dorm room in college mm-hmm. uh, with $150. What was that business that you started?
1: It was a t-shirt company. And um, the whole premise of that t-shirt company was to help change lives. So, we would donate 20% of our profits to educate children in Africa. Because again, I grew up in Zimbabwe. I saw things that I saw. And one of the things that I saw when I was growing up there was that, you know, there were millions of children that didn't have access to education because public education in Zimbabwe is not free. So, with that insight, I wanted to solve that because I felt blessed, right? to be one of the lucky ones to make it to America to go study. You know, I know so many of my friends who would have wanted to be in my shoes, but for me to be, you know, that, you know, blessed group to to, to be here um, is something that I'm, I'm truly grateful for. And I wanted to make sure that the opportunity that I was given would open up opportunities for others. So that's why I created this business. And it's another key important um, dot in, in as you're connecting the story to where I am today. Because think about the business I started in college; it was a social venture, right? And what is non uh, What is unbelievable? Non-believable is a social venture. So as 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 people were evaluating, you know, candidates who could really lead this business, you know, I became you know a, a good candidate because I had the social venture insight. And I also had the food and e-commerce insight. Um, So sometimes in life, you can never really connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots when you look back to say like, oh, wow. Imagine if I didn't start that business with $150, right? Because how many college students have ideas? And then instead of them trying to be resourceful, they look at their resources to say like, well, I only have 150 bucks. I won't be able to do it. But... Instead, you can look at it from a different angle to say like, hey, I have 150 bucks and I'm gonna figure out a way to do it. And later on in life, that moment where you are making that decision could be the difference between you in a different opportunity and you being in a whole nother situation, right? So it's super important, especially when you're young to not procrastinate in, in in making moves that, you know, sometimes scare you because sometimes it is those particular opportunities that open up the next opportunity and open up the next opportunity. Yeah. Um, so if you don't take it, you're basically shifting your destiny to a whole nother different destiny.
0: Did you have any setbacks, any challenges or any doubts about your business whenever you first started in terms of um, people telling you that it's not going to work out. You didn't see enough sale. Did you have any any um, qualms about that? Never. Never ever? I'm joking.
1: No. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Everybody does. If someone tells you they've never had any setback, well, they haven't really pursued the right opportunities. They haven't pursued things that challenge them. Just having $150 and trying to create a business is a setback in itself. Like, what could you do with that? Right. Yeah. Um, You know, so I can tell you so many, like, even when I started working, you know, I'm I'm in this big fortune 500 company, I'm a kid out of college. You know, you just feel like, okay, am I good enough? Do I even, you know, you're being asked to do things you'd never have to do. But the the key thing in life is that you need to show up. Right. Because it's in moments where you are facing things that you've never faced before that you really show who you you really are. Sometimes I ask myself, if you're walking, right? Imagine you're walking in your street and then you suddenly see a lion in front of you. What are you going to do? It's hungry, it hasn't eaten for three days. You're looking like lunch. In order for you to survive, you're gonna to have to do things that you've never done before. you're gonna you're gonna run faster than you, you ever. You, you jump a wall, right? Like you do things that you never have to do uh, that, that you never knew you could do or you even had the ability to do. So for me, whenever I'm faced with a challenge, whenever I'm faced with you know an obstacle, I just think of it in that way. like okay, there's the lion. Here's me. That lion is looking at me as lunch. Because if I fail, then, quote, unquote, it's lunch, right? But I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do to survive. It doesn't mean that I'm always successful. But I have a different mindset to approaching things. So if you even look at a lion, right? A lion is not the largest animal in the jungle, right? It's, It's not the fastest in the jungle. But why is it the king of the jungle? is because of mindset. So when other animals are seeing things in a different way, the lion sees it from a different mindset and that's how it becomes the king of the jungle. So I'm saying this to say, whenever you're faced with an obstacle and an opportunity, I think being in that warrior growth winning mindset will help you overcome obstacles. Now the question might be, well, kuda? Okay, what are some of the obstacles that you face? Well, let's actually go way back to when I was in Zimbabwe. I grew up in a family where we were lower middle class, you know, in Zimbabwe. My parents couldn't afford to pay for an American education. Like there was no way, you know, forty thousand dollars. Yeah, like they've never seen that um, um, amount of money. Um. And I was growing up in an environment where I would tell my friends like, hey guys, I wanna to go to America. They'll laugh at me. Like, dude, you're crazy. Like, It hasn't happened to people like us. Those were the words that they would tell me. They'll say like, hey dude, you're wasting your time. It doesn't happen to people like us. But from my perspective, I was like, well, that's what you believe, right? But that's not what I believe. I'm gonna figure out a way. Remember, don't look at the resources figure out a way to be resourceful. So I started researching to to figure out, okay, how am I going to overcome this obstacle, right? How am I going to cross this chasm? So the first thing I quickly realized I needed internet because I needed to study for my SATs and I needed to apply for college applications. I didn't have internet at home. So I went and I worked at an internet cafe during the summer because then if I'm working there, I get free internet and I'm able to do whatever I needed to do but because other people were already looking at it defeated. They see the lion and they go like, okay, eat me now, right? Yeah. You're never going to think outside of the box or do something to overcome that. And how do I deal with failure? Well, I never look at anything as a failure. That's the first thing. I look at it as a learning experience. Right now you have light in your room because Thomas Edison never said I have failed, right? Right. He had to do it 10,000 times to figure out how to, you know, have a light bulb light. Um, But the way he would look at it is like, hey, I've found 9,999 ways not to do it. But the problem is people just do it once. They don't see success. Oh, I'm a failure. Oh, this is not for me. And they give up when they were like right, like they were right there when they were about to make it. So, so I think it's, it's all about mindset and how you frame it. And I will close out by saying that it all comes down to self-talk. If you tell yourself that you have failed, then indeed you have failed. But if you tell yourself something else, like, hey, I learned, this is not the way to do it. It is what it is. Look at a baby, right? When a baby is learning how to walk, if they fall for the first time and they go like, oh, I'll never walk again. How many people will be walking today?
0: Yeah. Wow. This idea of, you talked about mindset, using your, I like that. You said, look at the resources around you and then be resourceful. Use what's on hand. Utilize that to do what you need to do in order to get to the next level and to get one step closer to where you want to be. So speaking about Setbacks. How has the current pandemic affected? And unbelievable, in terms of of shipping, in terms of getting customers to get your product, so then you can also achieve your bottom line, which is to provide a meal for each purchase.
1: Well, the logistical issues are issues you always have in any business. So the the things that we have been affected that really touched my heart are stories where we get an email from a wife and they say like hey i'm canceling the subscription because my husband died of covid because you know we we offer subscription for our cookies right to get them once a month we 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 received a few of those emails during covid So, yes, we've had our operational challenges when suppliers couldn't get us, you know, ingredients on time, or FedEx couldn't guarantee to deliver, you know, shipments on time and and things like that. But for me, I think the thing that really affected me personally is knowing that you know we had customers who, you know, weren't able to, to make it because of COVID. And the reason why it affected me the most is because our customers are why we build this for, in addition to the people that we create impact for, right? We need the two, right? So if the customers don't buy, then we're not able to to do the impact. So for me, I think that has been the thing about COVID that has really impacted me, as well as um, just the disruption with with kind of like our, our factory, because now we have different protocols, we just need to, you know, test people and make sure everything is okay and follow all the guidelines. Uh, but these are things that are operational. These are things that I, you know, we learn the protocol, we do it, we move on. But when, when it's impacting, you know, lives and people are dying, for me, I think that's the big impact. Uh, and it's not isolated to us. It's isolated to every business. But from, from my perspective, I think that's the biggest impact.
0: So, again, speaking about impact, I think that I personally have not had the chance to, to order one of your cookies, but uh, looking at your website... What are you waiting for? I don't know. I don't know what I'm waiting for. <laughs> um, Just looking at your website, looking at the cookies, looking at the way you utilize the ingredients, the ingredients seem to be as if they are they are pure. They are exactly what you need in terms of Uh, nutritionally, in in a cookie, if you were to have like a super cookie. um, You know, non-GMO products, purest of the pure ingredients that you guys use. And so it's not only that you are providing a service um, after the cookie is bought by the customer, but you are also providing a wonderful service to the customer by providing them a product that they themselves can claim for sure that it is absolutely... Uh, one of the best premium products out there. And are you guys um, solely online or do you guys have any um, connection with any re- retailers in the country?
1: So right now we are online. We have a few smaller independent retailers selling us. So nothing to the scale of Whole Foods yet or any of those big guys. Yeah. Uh, but we did this purposely and the reason why we wanted to start online is because online you're able to learn you know who your customer is i know that moses from colorado who lives at this address bought my cookies i have your email address but if we had if we had just started by selling in whole foods target and whatnot we are a step removed from the customer because alternatively Um, instead of us owning that customer relationship, that one-to-one direct customer relationship, the retailer owns that relationship because the person goes to Target to buy the cookies from Target and not us. So for us, as we built our growth strategy, it was something that was intentional, that we wanted to start direct to consumer because we really wanted to get insight from our customers? What do they think about the cookies? What do they think about the mission? Why did they buy? Are they reordering? You know, And so forth and so forth. Because then as we gain all those insights, we're now able to not only address our customers even better, but go to retailers with, the, with a story that, that is true and genuine and authentic. Hey guys, look at the numbers, look at the sales, look at what customers are saying we believe that this brand could be a perfect fit for your uh, retail store. And we've, we were taking all the things that we said we were gonna do. Um, and, and very, very soon we'll be in retail.
0: So um, how long have you guys been in business?
1: We're a year old. So, you know, we, we launched November, 2019. So, you know, this past November, we, we turned one.
0: Wow, congratulations.
1: Thank you.
0: So over the course of a year, how many meals have you guys been able to provide within the United States?
1: So the last time I checked, um, we had surpassed over 200,000 meals. Wow. Um, So, you know, it's it's something remarkable, right? Because when I think about it, you know. We're, we're getting close, right? Uh, but we need to move faster because, you know, we have that million that we have to hit by the end of 2022. So next year in 2022, they need to be big years for us um, in order to hit that number. But I think it's doable, and this year has been a good year given the context of everything that's happened uh, for us. And we 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 hope to to be able to to take that momentum into 2021. And, and just build on it.
0: Wow. So what are your plans for the next two years in order for you to achieve that goal that you want to?
1: Well, it's simple, sell more cookies.
0: <laughs> do you have any methods that you use specifically to, to do that?
1: Well, yeah, well, we kind of like touched on it, right? We'll continue selling online, we'll expand into retail, we'll add more variety. To our product offering and we'll just let the customers do what they do which is if it's a good product if you're delivering value and you're doing what you say you're doing they will order more so so for us that's that's really what we're trying to do here um so we're just going to focus on selling more cookies
0: yeah what um are the current flavors that you guys
1: have right now so right now we have uh, chocolate chip peanut butter Oatmeal raisin and double chocolate uh, chip. The double chocolate chip is a gluten-free, uh, gluten-free uh, flavor. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we also cater to our folks that, you know, have gluten intolerance. Yeah. Uh, but those are the four flavors that we have. We have uh, two product launches that we're going to launch early next year. So, you know, one, hopefully in January and another one, Um, in February so we have two hot product categories that we're going to be launching and those are also going to be key drivers for growth as well
0: which is your favorite
1: well you're asking a parent which one is your favorite kid (laughs) tough question personally I like the oatmeal raisin because I am kind of like an oatmeal guy I grew up having oats uh, oats for breakfast and and whatnot So I really gravitate to that one the most.
0: Yeah. So um, what other flavors
1: are you guys thinking about making? You're going to have to find out. Okay. Keep keep coming to the website. I gave you the date. So in January, come back and check, and you'll see some of the things that we've been working on.
0: Okay. I'll make sure to do that. Um, What have you used from uh, beginning to right now in your business? Uh, what tools have you used? Um, what sort of methods have you used in terms of team building
1: well, this has been an interesting year because we started off you know normal right
0: yeah <laughs> going to
1: the office, seeing everybody and then suddenly now you have to be a hundred percent remote yeah so using tools like zoom have been helpful to you know, continue building that team. Um, We've introduced the whole concept of having, you know, get to know you meetings. So where we actually don't have any business agenda on the meeting, but we would allow the team to come up with activities so that we get to know each other a little bit more and also just check in with, with each other. Hey, how are you doing? How's everything? So, we we were really pleased by some of the activities and things that the team came up with, because as leaders, we're not generally our role is to support the team, not to dictate what to do. So it was great to see people come up with interesting ideas and people step up, right, um, and and take leadership roles in in really driving conversations. So you know we were really pleased by how we're able to adapt and and be flexible. Uh, during a very uh, uncertain time.
0: So, what would you say is essential in terms of someone who wants to build a team? What would you think that they need to look for in people?
1: Well, I think what's what the first thing that that's essential is you need to have clarity as to your vision, because are you building a team for what? Right. So, you need clarity as to this is the outcome that I want to achieve because then once you have clarity on your outcome then you know the right players to bring on your team so think about any sports team right you you need to to have clarity as to like hey this is the way we're gonna play so then once you know like okay we're gonna be very offensive I'm a soccer guy so you know There are different ways you can play, different systems that you can play. But you as a leader or as a coach, you need to have clarity as to this is the style of play we're going to have. That's essential. Because it will lead to the people that you recruit, right? Um, Because then now you start building a team. So you need to make sure that um, you, you understand that. Uh, first. The next thing is culture, right? Culture is more important sometimes than people even think it is because if you don't enjoy going to that place of work where you're supposed to work or the enjoy the dynamic with the people around you, you know, you you zone out and you won't be able to contribute in that collective team uh, vision that you're supposed to. So I think focusing on really building culture early on is something that's super essential if you want to build a winning team. And then the next thing is empowerment. You need to empower people to, to grow, to, to to step into their next. So for me, those, those are the three ingredients. And then I'm not putting the other stuff that people would normally put because I'm assuming it's a given, right? You're gonna recruit right, you're gonna interview right, you're gonna make sure you pick, you know, A players versus, you know, filling your team with D players um in order for you to to succeed.
0: Okay. So it's about picking the right people. It's also about uh, creating a culture that you want for the people to go into to realize that this is this is the standard this is normal and that this is the way it needs to be done. Um, mm-hmm. So what would you say um, is one of the main things that people right off the bat, they start doing business and they mess up in this way. What would this way be for you?
1: I'm not trying, I'm not understanding your question.
0: Oh, uh, whenever someone starts a business and they, mm-hmm. um, and they mess up in something, uh, what would that something be like if they're just starting out?
1: It it could be many things. Um, I mean, just just think about it. Like, what? How many things could go wrong when you when you start a business? Yeah,
0: like loss of inventory, you know, employee, customer. Yeah, you can have that kind of issue. Uh, but I mean, mm-hmm. go go ahead. Sorry, uh, specifically for your business. What now have you encountered that if you if someone wanted to start a business like you are starting, what is the number one mistake that they would make?
1: I, the thing about this question is that you can't say the number one thing, right? Because anything that goes wrong becomes number one. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if 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 you're feeling okay right now, if I comment just pinch you here it becomes number one because that's where the pain is at if you're bleeding here that becomes your priority to stop bleeding here because that's that's the place that's hurting if you break your hand or your leg that becomes number one because you're not a hundred percent so whatever goes wrong becomes number one right that's the number one thing you need to fix because if, regardless of what else is working or not working, if that thing is not working the way it's supposed to, you're never gonna be as successful as you're supposed to. So there's so many things you know that can go wrong. So I think the idea is you need to have checks and balances and systems in place from the beginning so that you're able to identify what's wrong quickly, right? So we were talking about me going to pilot school, right? And and whatnot. You see, that's why in in a plane, right? In the cockpit, there's so many different buttons, right? Yes, Yes, there are six instruments that you focus on primarily, but all of these things need, you know, if one small thing over there goes wrong, it can result in a plane crash. So you need to make sure that you're checking everything and you're following your protocols You're doing your systems check um, to make sure you don't crash the plane. So it's the same thing with business, right? You cannot say like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this. This is the most important thing. And I'm not going to look at that. That's bad management. Good management is making sure that you look at everything. And if you cannot physically do it, that's where you delegate, right? and make sure that at least someone is a paying is paying attention to that thing and and that's how that's how you know you you grow and, and and scale a business
0: so make sure that you are aware of what's happening around you also whenever something does pop up that seems to go wrong to focus on that and to deal with it as quickly as as possible
1: yeah is i that- think the, a better way to have articulated your question moses is that hey if you have these things go wrong, right? What do you focus on? Then you then can really figure out, okay, this is what I focus on. Um, If you have three issues, right? So if you have a burning warehouse and an angry customer, are you going to focus on the screaming customer and not focus on the burning warehouse? No, you're going to focus on the burning warehouse. You come back to the customer later. Not saying that the customer is not important, But if you don't save the inventory, you have nothing to sell to the customer. So right in that particular scenario, the inventory is number one.
0: Okay. Thank you very much for helping me in terms of clarifying, putting together together that question. Thank you. Um, Kuda, what else do you want to do? Are you planning on doing with um, after uh unbelievable, which is its million meal goal.
1: Yeah, I already know what I'm going to do. What is it? I'm going to set another goal.
0: <laughs> Two million, five million?
1: No, maybe 10 or even 100. Okay. Why not? Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So, and it's important in life to always set goals because goals are the things that energize you. Goals are the things that propel you to do amazing things. So the day that we hit a million, we'll sit down and we'll come up with another big, hairy, audacious goal um, on what to achieve. It could be, you know, in in a different context or something else, but that's what I'm going to focus on. So right now my focus in is really driving all of my energy uh, on reaching that 1 million mark but as soon as we hit it then the next milestone and goal that we want to to hit would be something that I would have to sit down with you know the people close to me my wife my business partners and 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 whatnot and really figure out what's next for me and we'll see at at that phase in my life what are some of the things that would be important for me you know Maybe my situation would have changed. Perhaps at that point I would have kids, and I might want to spend more time with my kids. You know, so I don't know to to, to give you an answer as to what that next thing would be. But what I do know is when I hit that goal, the next thing I'm going to do is set a new goal.
0: So recently you gave it was a TEDx speech, mm-hmm. and in it you mentioned a method that you use in order to. To plan to execute goals, um, uh, could you please share that method with us today?
1: Yeah, so in my TEDx, I talked about a method called the Spear Method, and the Spear Method is a framework that I developed um, when I was writing my book because I wrote a book called The Spear Method: Five Simple Steps to Success and Fulfillment, and part of what made me want to write the book was. Um, My sister passed away a few years ago, and when I was at a memorial I started thinking was she happy was she fulfilled right because at times people we focus on success. So if you think about maybe a lot of the questions that you asked me in this podcast they were really success centered right you achieve this you're doing this. A question was never asked about kuda. are you fulfilled, are you happy right so. In life, you need to strike a balance between success and fulfillment because there are so many miserable millionaires out there, miserable billionaires, right? People who've achieved success, but they're not fulfilled because they didn't take time to really focus on what makes me happy. And that's why I was even explaining to you that, you know, once I hit that million goal, Perhaps what's gonna be my focus is my kid, though I don't know what it will be because at that point I'm gonna figure out, hey, how do I balance success and fulfillment? So the SPEAR method, basically it's, it's an acronym that stands for seek your purpose. The first thing you need to know and understand is what is your purpose? Because once you have clarity on your purpose, you can, number two, plan, right? As to how you're going to achieve that purpose, because if you know your purpose, but you don't come up with a plan, chances are you're never really going to get there. So coming back to another aviation example, right, every flight needs a flight plan. If you're going to an airplane and you're flying, you know, somewhere and the pilot goes like, oh, yeah, we're just going to wing it, you know. We don't know how we're going to get there or what altitude we're going to fly at or what speed or anything like that. Would you be comfortable getting on that plane?
0: Oh, no. Absolutely not.
1: But a lot of people in life do exactly that. They don't take time to know their destination, plan on how they're going to get to that destination. They just wing it. They just coast then just let life go yeah. so if if you don't do these two essential first steps chances are you're never gonna hit your success and fulfillment metric that you were destined to hit the next one is achieve sorry the next one is execute so after you plan you have to execute because what's the point of coming up with a plan and not acting on the plan yeah. right. So you create this flight plan for, for your flight, but you don't take off. you never start the engine, right? You're, you're not gonna get anywhere. So it's important for you to execute every single day because it is through those um, you know action uh, you know action steps that you take every single day that will then compound over time to achieve your goal. And achieve is number four of the spear method. And, you know, achieve doesn't necessarily mean you're going to achieve everything, right? For every action you take, there's an achievement that you get. So if you go to the gym and you, you know, there's something you achieve. So so that's why achieve is right after execute, because then every day you need to then go back and repeat that same process of planning, executing, achieving, you repeat. So that's what the SPEAR method is all about. And Once you know what your purpose is, and you come up with a plan, and you execute every day on that plan, and you repeat that process, you will ultimately become successful, and you will also be fulfilled, because whenever you're working on your calling, nothing will give you greater fulfillment than that.
0: Wow. So when did you come up with this?
1: When did you write the book? I released the book in August. I, I worked on it for about 18 months. Um, a lot of research went into it. So, you know, it's not like I just came up with this when I was sleeping. I, I wish I did. Uh, but I, I I researched. I interviewed highly successful people. Um, I interviewed people who didn't chase success, but were chasing fulfillment. I exper- I, I interviewed people who, you know, phased struggles so I'll, I'll give you an example there's a guy that i met when we were starting crockpot cuisine and this was actually our first taste testing to 200 people okay. who didn't know about what we we're working on and we're just going to bring them out and people are going to taste them and as, as we were getting ready to serve these cookies this guy comes in and i noticed that he was blind but he was so happy And he was, you know, content. He tries our cookies and he goes like, let's record a video. We record a video with him. And then I was like, I just want to know this guy's story. Why is he like, you know, very happy? Like there's something about him. And then I learned that in college, he was a major league baseball prospect. He was going to become a pro. But he had a disease, a genetic disease where he was slowly losing his eyesight. And now he's legally blind. So he didn't get drafted. He missed on the draft. And a lot of people could have really just sunk in depression. But you know what he did? He went to law school. And he became a very successful lawyer that's made so much impact. And he's giving, donating, changing lives. You know, he serves as a blind guy. Right? Because... He understood what his purpose was and what gives him fulfillment. And he didn't even let a, a, a disability, like not having eyesight, stop him from being both successful as a lawyer and fulfilled in the things that he's doing and the impact that he's making around the world. So it's by looking and learning from people who've been able to go through all of that, that I was able to come up with a framework.
0: Wow and it's very funny you should mention someone who has what we would consider a disability in terms of um, since I can see and you can't see, therefore you're the one that is you know disabled, but if you're blind and you can see your purpose and I have sight but can't see mine, who in the end then is really at a loss in terms of both what I am meant to achieve and also what I want to do in order to to feel fulfilled. So success and fulfillment. um, What is the difference between the two for you personally?
1: I think success is external. You see me driving a Benz, you see me with a Rolex, you know, Posting some nice Instagram images externally, you're gonna say, like, oh, KUDA is successful. Yeah. Even if I'm faking it. Yeah. Fulfillment is internal. If I'm happy, but I don't post it on Instagram or whatever, you won't know that I'm happy, but I'm happy. Yeah. Right? It's it's really me. It's like with fulfillment. There's, there's no BSing <laughs> because you're, it's either you're fulfilled or you're not, right? There, there's no BSing. With, with success, you can you know create that um, picture. And I think with success, it's not just you who determines what success is. Society really determines what, what success is. With fulfillment, it's you. Amano Amano, you and yourself, decide hey am I happy does this make me happy am I enjoying my life I can't come to you and say like hey Moses am I happy and like yeah Kuda you're happy and then I become happy no but if you were to come to me and say like hey Kuda you're already successful where you are I might be like oh okay I'm successful I'm successful society says I'm successful so I'm successful right but that's not the case so I think that's the key difference there is that fulfillment is internal success is external but what you want to do is you want to balance the two because if you just focus on the external side of things your internal part of it will be crying for attention and that's where you know the the issues come up
0: what kind of issues would you say
1: a lot you know some people get sad some people get depressed you know I I'm not like a clinical psychologist or anything like that but I just know that if you're not fulfilled there'll be issues right you you you're not living up to 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 your best like who wants to I'll ask you a question do you have a significant other like a girlfriend or anything like that
0: No not right now
1: not right now but let's say you did and then she comes to you and she goes like you know what Moses I'm I'm just gonna dedicate 40 percent to this relationship that's all I'm gonna give you 40 percent would there be issues or there'll be no issues Well, when you're giving hundred percent and they come and they say like I'm just gonna give 40 percent there'll be issues right oh yeah so so it's the same thing then you know so what you want to make sure is, if one side is getting 100%, have the other side get 100%, because then it is that yin and yang that then enables you to, to be fully, you know, happy, and and you enjoy, it, because you are, um, you know, showing up and giving 100%. It's the same thing if I was to go on my knee and, and say to my wife, hey, will you marry me? But I'm only going to give you 60% attention, 60% love, 60%, you know, blah, blah, blah. Would she say yes? No, there'll be issues because you're only getting 60%. So it's the same thing with the focus you give to your success and your fulfillment. Sometimes people just give 0% to success and give everything plus more, um, you know, to the other. So that's that's the way I look at it.
0: So do you think that fulfillment is an ongoing thing? Or do you think that like success in a way, you get your first million dollars, you get the, the house, the car. And do you think that fulfillment happens once? Or do you think that it is continual? Like every single day you feel fulfilled?
1: If you heard the last part of the Spear Method, what was it?
0: Uh, What what, what was it?
1: It was repeat. So it was seek your purpose, plan, execute, achieve, repeat. So I'll I'll put it in a context that makes sense. How are you alive right now? What do you need to do in order for you to stay alive? You need Uh, to breathe. Breathe. If you stop breathing, you die. Yeah. So is the same thing with fulfillment. If you stop doing the things that keep you fulfilled, you will not be fulfilled anymore. Because in life, there are so many things that are draining your energy, right? Things that are like, you know, whatever. So you constantly need to be doing things that give you fulfillment. You can't say like, oh, because I was fulfilled when I was two, now that I'm 32, I'm good. You know, you can't say like, oh, because I, I took a breath three months ago. I don't need to breathe again. You know, my lungs are good, like we're good. good. No, you have to breathe again and again and again and again in order for you to stay alive. So it's the same thing with fulfillment. You always have to be doing those things every single day. And that's why the last phase of the SPEAR method is repeat. You have to repeat it. If you want to, um, it's, if, let me frame it another way and I'm, I'm running out of time now. Um, it's easy for you, let's say to make a million dollars, right? What's difficult is to maintain being a million dollar, a millionaire. Because let's say you make a million and you borrow 20, 20 you know, I borrow 20 bucks from you. Are you still a millionaire? No. So what's difficult is for you to maintain that. So once you get fulfilled, it's actually you need to put more effort in staying that way, because because it's, it becomes even more you know it, it requires more of your time and your effort to maintain that level because, like you said, it's easy for people to just say like you know what I've gotten here I'm good I'm good I'm good, and you won't stay there trust me. What you need to do is you need to repeat you need to repeat you need to keep pushing. And you need to now look at the next thing. A lot of people spend a lot of time celebrating something. You know, it's good to celebrate, but move on. Life goes on, right? Like, okay, you made this milestone. You did this. Great. Now move on. Because if we spend the whole time celebrating, we'll be celebrating that, oh, okay, you've learned how to walk. Oh, you can walk. And you spend 10 years celebrating that. No, you celebrate those first two steps. Okay, now let's Let's get you uh, working steady, and you learn how to run. Now you know how to run. Let's get you on a bicycle. You can ride a bicycle. Let's get you to you know 15, 16. Now drive a car. You know, and you just keep on doing the next thing, doing the next thing, and you don't need to dwell too much on on past success. Um, use it as a source of inspiration, but don't live there. Right. So you want to visit the past. You don't want to live. In the past
0: visit the past don't live in the past uh, kuda Biza. Um, if you had an opportunity to send a worldwide text what would your message be dream big why would it be that
1: <clears throat> because dreams are, uh, are what dreams are made of right it was, it was a dream that has me here today. If I didn't have the dream of, let's say, coming to America, if I didn't have the dream of becoming an entrepreneur, if I didn't have a dream of, you know, whatever, I wouldn't be here. Anything you see in life was once a dream. And then someone had to do whatever they needed to do to make that thing a reality, Like, Let's say this phone. You know, there was a time when mobile phones didn't exist. Yeah. But someone had the dream to say like, hey, what if I could have a phone with me wherever I go? It was a dream. So the advice I'll tell people is dream big, because by dreaming big, we can accomplish big things. And also we can solve some of these big issues. Some of the issues we have right now, we're talking about hunger, it's there because we probably haven't dreamed big enough on how to solve hunger. You think about the amount of wealth in the world and we still have to deal with things like hunger? No, seriously, think about it. Do you think that collectively in this world there is not enough money, not enough resources to solve hunger, to solve water, for everybody to solve education for all? The resources are there, but we just haven't dreamed big enough on how to do it. Yeah. So that would be my text.
0: Yeah, well, Kuda, Biza, where can people go to learn more about you, about Nonbelievable?
1: Yeah. So for me, you can go on my personal website, which is spearmethod.com. You can find information about my book. You can uh, reach out to me on the contact form and, and read some of the things uh, on the website. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram, Kuda Biza, K-U-D-A-B-I-Z-A, pretty easy. Um, so at Kuda Biza on Instagram, and then for Non-Believable, you can just go on our website, Nonbelievable, believable so N-U-N, like a nun and believablecom and you can get yourself some delicious cookies that, uh, make tremendous impact.
0: I'll make sure to hop on right now. My sister might not like that because she is really into cookie making and she thinks that her cookies are the best. They are, Krista. Just telling her right now that they are, but, you know, mine are better. Well,
1: there's there's nothing wrong with some com- competitive taste testing, right?
0: No, of course not. That's,
1: that's, that's how you frame it. And... um. you know kudos to your sister i I love people who are in the cookie business because they're like me so i'm wishing her all the success uh in the world for her cookie business
0: well thank you i'll make sure that she gets that message from you thank you very much good for being on the black gold podcast
1: all right thank you so much man take care you too
0: thank you for listening to the black gold podcast please subscribe and review the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, at theblackgoldpod. And if you want to support the channel, please visit blackgoldpod.com, that is B-L-A-C-K-G-O-L-D-P-O-D.com and visit our Black Gold Swag Store, where you can get hoodies, shirts, socks, cell phone cases, and die cut stickers. So if you're looking for a wonderful gift this holiday season, please don't forget to jump over to blackgoldpod.com. That's B-L-A-C-K
1: pod.com.